You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow us, Bright City Church, on Instagram. Today's message is from Jess Conley. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Bright City. Good morning. How y'all doing, December? It's very cheery in here. I love it, love it, love it. Hey, if you're looking for a chair, I know a crew of people who are going to be trying to find you one in just a moment. Um, We're so incredibly grateful you're here. If we haven't met yet, my name is Jess, and by the grace of God, I am an owner here. That means I help own the mission of Bright City. That's what we call our members. Instead of calling them members, we call them owners. And so it's my joy to be an owner here, and I'm also on the teaching team here at Bright City. And now that I've introduced myself to you, I need to start off making a serious confession. Um, We're actually talking about waiting this month, and I'm going to get into why in a moment. But I need to start this message by telling you I am really the world's worst waiter. Are any of you guys good at waiting? Are you? All right, is he? Okay, all right, it's an Enneagram 5 thing. Um, I'm not, I'm not good at waiting, and I was working on this message, and so I was like, well, I need to give them a good example of, of how I'm bad at waiting, um, and I had to go back almost 20 years, so, because that's the last time I feel like I really waited. You hear what I'm saying? Y'all hear me? I'm not good at waiting, is what I'm trying to tell you. So I was thinking back on, okay, what are some examples of times I've been bad at waiting? And again, I had to go almost back 20 years because that was the last time I I feel like I I super waited for something. And it's a really embarrassing story, and here's what it is. So almost 20 years ago, I was dating this uh, cute guy who I just met in high school youth group. His name was Nick Connolly, and I was a, a big fan. And I knew we were going to get married. We had talked about getting married almost since immediately when we started dating, Um, and which is true. We were like 17, like, I love you, I love you. Let's change the world together. That's what our dating life looked like. So we knew we were going to get married. We had been together for a few years, and we were in college, actually, and we were talking about getting engaged, and I knew kind of that my... Um, this boyfriend had talked to my parents about maybe wanting to marry me, so I knew it was coming. Like, I knew we were close, um, and I had this secret weapon that I didn't know if Nick remembered, and that was that I had access to his bank account. I don't know why he gave me his login to his bank account as, um, you know, basically teenagers, um, but he did. He had given me the login to his bank account, and so when I, one day when I was really curious, and I just felt like I couldn't wait anymore because I like a plan, I was like, well, I'm just going to check in and see if there have been any purchases. Um, and <laughs> I did tell him the story like 10 years ago. So, but it took me a while. It took me about a decade to admit that this had happened. So I, I snuck into his bank account and I was like, oh, look at that large purchase to a jewelry store. Great. <laughs> awesome. And you would think that my, that my, in my curiosity, my lack of patience would have been satiated at that point and that I would have like put, been like, okay, it's happening, no big deal. But I, I couldn't stop there. Could you have stopped there? No, I was almost to the promised land. And this was, um, uh, this was like, I, I saw it was a check and I saw that you could click on the check and see the picture of the check. And so I was like, I don't know, maybe I'm gonna be able to decipher something from his handwriting that like, I don't know, tells me the date. I don't know, maybe in the subject line he will have written for proposal, whatever, he didn't. But because he is an Enneagram one and he's a very safe person, he had written in the subject line of the check. And he had actually written the style number of the ring. 
could you have stopped there? <laughs> no, you could not have. So I Googled the style number of the ring because I was like, I just, I'll be going in with this much information. I'll be freed up to love him well and say yes. I won't have to look at it. I'll have already seen it. You know what I'm saying? I won't be worried about what the ring looks like. I'll be focused on the love. And um, <laughs> that's how I justified it. So I Googled the style number. And what popped up on Google was the world's ugliest engagement ring. <laughs> and um, I, I, this is just a moment, like women, men, we can be honest, like we joke that there are no ugly babies, but sometimes babies are not cute. <laughs> and, and a woman might tell you like, I don't care, I'm just happy we're engaged, but like you care. You care what your ring looks like. Sometimes there are ugly rings. And this was a very ugly ring. It actually looked like a stoplight. Um, and what happened is that I started having nightmares about stoplights on my hand and really, truly started having dreams that I would be walking around like, yeah, I'm engaged, but it was like red, green, yellow, red, green, yellow. Anyways, it wasn't the right ring. The style number was different, whatever. It was a beautiful ring, but I was so embarrassed that I felt so much shame. Um, and also, I'm tr I've tried to learn my lesson, but what I'm telling you is I'm bad at waiting. I'm bad at waiting. And this month in Advent, this is the season we call Advent. It's the season in the church calendar where we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. But behind that, the word Advent actually has a lot of meaning. And the word really means to prepare. Um, and it's a, it's a preparation waiting season in the church. Something that's interesting, this is just, this is a fun fact. Um, in the church calendar, we have all these different seasons of what we, of what we celebrate. And for us in our calendar year, Advent is at the end of the year, but in the church calendar, Advent is actually the beginning of the year. This waiting and this preparation is actually like how we kick off our spiritual lives. So that's important and interesting to note. But so Advent really means to prepare or to wait. And it's a season that has a dual reality and a dual meaning for us. It's where we celebrate the preparation of earth and the preparation of the kingdom of heaven for the birth of Jesus, that tiny, beautiful baby that we're all going to celebrate and sing hymns about. But it has this other side to Advent, which is really where our hearts are meant to prepare for waiting for Jesus to come back. This, this waiting and this preparation, not only to celebrate that he came, but that he's coming again. And so as we talk about waiting today, a phrase that I'm going to use a lot is now and not yet. Now and not yet. So in Advent, we're celebrating that Jesus came, that we have access by grace, through faith, through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have access to relationship with Jesus and redemption and healing now. But there's a not yet peace to our faith in that we are not experiencing full redemption, full peace full joy, full wholeness, until we're with him again. So it is absolutely a great season for us to talk about waiting. So as we were kind of praying about the scripture to, to, to settle on for the rest of the Advent season, for all of the Advent season, Pastor Nick felt called for us to go to Psalm 40. Um, and this is where I need to make a quick delineation. Psalm 40, we're going to read it in a second. But this is where we're gonna um, we're gonna like be goats and sheep. We're gonna separate into two groups of people. Okay, um, so some of you are gonna know about the U2 song based on Psalm 40. Does anybody? Okay, there's like eight of us. The rest of us, y'all think I just said YouTube, but I did not. I said you you two. It, yes. They're a band. Yes. Um, they're a band. You could look you two up on YouTube. 
and you could hear their incredible song that's written about Psalm 40. Because when I read Psalm 40, all I hear is the U2 song. Not the YouTube. U2. Bono, you might have heard of him. Um, if you haven't, we understand. Um, but Google that song, look it up. It's a beautiful song, and it's based on Psalm 40. But so Pastor Nick kept feeling like, hey, I feel like we're supposed to study Psalm 40 um, for Advent. And that might kind of seem like an odd choice because it's in Psalms. It's not like Luke or Matthew. It's not the, the story of Jesus being born. It's not the genealogy. It's not, we're not talking about Mary and shepherds, etc. Um, but the reason why this is actually not an odd choice at all is because it's a Psalm about waiting. And in Hebrews 10, the writer of Hebrews actually quotes Psalm 40 and says like, this is Jesus. The tension that's presented in Psalm 40 this need to wait, this crying out for hope is answered in the birth of Jesus. It's what's called a messianic psalm. So it was written by David thousands of years before Jesus was born, but it's about Jesus and it's about what we get from him. So that being said, um, I'm going to read Psalm 40 in a second. And for those of you who have heard the song, you're going to hear you, you two in your head, and that's okay. Um, I'm going to try not to sing it. That's not my spiritual gift, but as we read just the first few verses of Psalm 40, can I just invite you to maybe hold space for what you're waiting for? I think um, in our culture and even in Christian culture, we're really good at kind of stuffing our desire down sometimes, and we're really good at like speaking truth and, and cheering ourselves up when we've been waiting for something for a really long time or maybe convincing ourselves that we don't want it anymore. Um, but I just want to say, like, let's make some space to access the things we're waiting for. So I don't know what that is for you. If, that's, um, if you're waiting on, like, healing in a relationship with somebody, if you're waiting on a financial miracle, if you're waiting on peace, if you're waiting on rest, if you're waiting on healing in your life, if you're waiting on breakthrough, um, if you're waiting on some movement or some change, I just, I just want to, again, encourage you like, to access that um, and, and let that sit with you for just a second as we read Psalm 40. This is verses 1 through 5. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who doesn't look to the proud to turn to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you've done, the things you've planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. I waited patiently on the Lord. The U2 version says, I waited patiently on the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. I waited patiently on the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. So I'm going to give you three quick truths. I'm going to give me, I'm going to give us <laughs> three, three quick truths that we can hold on to as we wait on God in this season. So here's your first one is that it's good news and it sounds like kind of like duh, but 
He hears you, so keep crying out. I waited patiently on the Lord. He heard me and turned toward me and rescued me, is what Psalm 40 says. So this first thing that I just feel like is so incredibly important for us to remember is that we actually have to keep crying out because he hears us. I don't know about you guys, um, but for me, in my walk with God, I've been walking with God a little over 20 years, and for me, the seasons where I have experienced intense hardship or frustration or spiritual battle or just even like frustrating circumstances, and I have actually poured out my heart to God, I've maybe even like gotten mad at him, but I've kept the lines of communication open. Those have actually turned out to be the healthiest, most maturing and growth-filled seasons of my spiritual life. Does anybody else relate to that? When I think back on some of the worst days of my life, I'm like, whew, God and I were tight because I was crying out to him and because I was talking to him. But that being said, I don't know about for you guys, but in my life, I've also walked through seasons that have been incredibly tough and incredibly hard where I haven't cried out to him, where maybe I've been waiting on him and I stopped talking to him about it. Maybe I got frustrated. Um, And those for me have been some of the most isolating and discouraging and painful seasons of my life. And so the key here in Psalm 40, what I think we're seeing in this beautiful messianic song, this promise of Jesus, this now and not yet reminder that we've been rescued and we're going to keep experiencing rescue and then we're gonna experience total restoration when Jesus comes again, is that the gift of crying out to God is one that God gives to us. It's not something he wants from us. It's actually better for us. God actually is not in need of us crying out to him. That is not a need that he has. But the gift for us is in getting to exercise our rights as kids, as sons and daughters of God, and going to him and saying like, this is a pit. What are you going to do? I'm waiting. I'm scared. I bless you. I trust you. But what's happening That's a gift for us because it's our expressed intimacy with him. And it's where we experience his power made perfect in weakness. And so I was thinking this week about remembering that God hears us, that he actually hears us and that he's going to respond and that it's our gift to him or our gift to us to get to cry out to him. And I was thinking about why we don't cry out to God. And I think there are some obvious answers. I think sometimes um, we feel shame, right? Like, we feel like this was my fault. I, got, I actually crawled in this pit. I paid for this pit. Um, <laughs> I picked it out on the catalog. You know what I'm saying? I can't talk to God about this pit because I chose this pit. Or maybe, I'm, maybe I feel shame because I'm in this pit again. Um, but everything in Scripture would remind us that while we were still sinners at just the right time, he came toward us. I actually read something this week from Charles Spurgeon where he said, like, God is again, he was just saying, like, God is, God is contented with you. Even when you are not contented with you, even when you are super frustrated with you, God is contented with you. 
And so maybe we feel shame and we don't cry out to God because we feel shame, but all of the gospel would remind us that we don't ever cry out to God because we're good. We cry out to God because he's good. And in that, we experience his goodness. I don't know. I think, I think the thing for a lot of us is we feel anger. We, we're angry with God or we're disappointed with God or we're frustrated with God. And so we think, like, I can't talk to him about that, but I just want to tell you friend to friend, he can handle it. He can handle it. One of my favorite slash least favorite books in the Bible is Job. Um, and it'll, don't read it if you're in a bad mood. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's, it's like 25, 28, I think, chapters of Job complaining. Um, and other people complaining about God and in his life. And God doesn't speak the whole time. And then God like goes off on Job. And he's like, where were you when I made the ocean, Job? But then Job's like, you're right, I'm sorry. And, and God's like, it's okay, I love you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you a double blessing. And so I want you to remember that when you cry out to God in anger and in frustration, you might get corrected. He might come back at you and say, like, oh, did you think you knew better? But also his love does not stop flowing toward you. That's how good our father is, that he can come toward us with correction and truth and never, never, never hold back on the grace and the mercy. But honestly, can I give you guys honest truth? This is real talk. Why I don't cry out to God. I mean, I'm just giving it all to you today. I think I don't cry out to God because I go through the motions of crying out to God. I think sometimes I'm in a pit. And I'm up here with you guys, but saying, like, I might be in a pit, and I might text a friend and say, like, hey, will you pray for me? I'm in a pit. This is what's happening. And I might come to church and, like, stand in our pre-service prayer circle and say, hey, I'm in a pit. Can you guys pray for me? I might journal about the pit. I might look up verses that I want to believe about the pit. But I sometimes don't actually just talk to God about it. And, and in that one step, again, it's not that God needs that from me, but then I miss out on the comfort of expressed intimacy with my father. Yeah. And so I go through all the motions of crying out to God, but I don't actually do it. Does anybody relate to that? What a misstep for us, right? Not because we're in the wrong, just because we've missed out on the expressed intimacy of God. So three things to remember. Number one, cry out to him. He hears you. It's a gift for you. The second point, I want to reread. I want to reread Psalm 41 through 5 before we hit it. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock. And he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who doesn't look to the proud, to those who turn away to, to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you've done, the things you've planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Number one, let's keep crying out to God because he hears us. But number two, the thing he's put on my, on my gut this week to say is wait for the rock. When you need rescue, when you're waiting on God, you have to wait for the rock. Again, this might be like a, 
sure, of course, yeah, we want to wait for him to put us on solid rock. But if I'm honest with you guys, I think, I think a lot of times we circumvent the rescue and the security of God taking us out of something and putting us on solid ground because we do what the second half of verse 1 through 5 says. We turn to idols and false gods. So while we're waiting for rescue, while we're in the midst of this waiting period of wanting to see God move in our life, wanting to see God help us financially, wanting to see him give us answers, wanting to see him move, wanting to see him bring healing, wanting to see him bring movement, wanting to see him do something, sometimes instead of waiting for the rock, instead of waiting for the rescue, we actually just turn and maybe fix it ourselves. Or we try. Doesn't really work, am I right? And so I don't know what this looks like for you. I don't know. I mean, honestly, the sh- shopping and sports are the two quickest things that came to mind. I'm just going to be honest, okay? Just don't, don't point to your neighbor right now. A lot of times, I think maybe if we're just waiting for rescue, it's just really easy to, like, even just divert our attention and, and, and stop thinking about the pain and, like, do a little online shopping or get lost in a game. But it, it's, it's so many things for all of us. It could be like food. It could be making our bellies our gods. In Charleston, we need to watch this one, y'all, okay? All of us, me too. Um, because there's always a new restaurant, and there's always a new place to divert our attention, and there's always a new thing to, to just kind of like calm us and make us feel better. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's you actually kind of trying to step into your life and configure things and not wait on the hand of God or not wait on the word of God or not wait for confirmation or not wait for the peace of God, but just be the actual rescue yourself. And again, as I was processing this and I was asking God, all right, like deal with me first. What does this look like in my life? What it looks like for me is not going to be what it looks like for you, but I'll tell you what it looks like for me. Um, for me, it's planning. Like a lot of times, A lot of times, I've accessed the pit, I've noticed it's there, I'm like, ooh, we really need help in this. And maybe, maybe I've cried out to God, maybe I've gone through the motions of it, but instead of like truly pausing and anticipating the hand of God, the rescue, and the peace of Christ that passes understanding, I make a plan. And, And for me, I make a literal plan, like I'll write it out. Um, and, I, and I just sensed God convicted me about that this week. And listen, planning's my superpower. I think God gave it to me for the good of others and his glory. So there's times when I'm supposed to use it. And I don't know about you, maybe you're, even maybe you're thinking right now, like, okay, well, how do I know if it's an idol? How do I know if I'm accessing an idol or if I'm just using a God-given gift? Or, like, should I totally stop eating because I don't want to make my belly my God? No, here's the deal. So Psalm, 1, Psalm 40 actually gives us some answers of how we can know if it's an idol or not. And that is that it says many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. So here's just my, like, counter question to you. Is, is that thing? in your life, that strategy that you use or that tool or that gift that he's given you, after you're done experiencing it or using it or, or walking in it, do you trust God more or do you trust you more? And, and I think that's the real question. And there, it's, it's, it's like complex and it's a little nebulous. It's not one that we can answer for each other. We have to sit with God and, and get with Holy Spirit and ask, like, does this leave me more in awe of God or does it leave me more in awe of, of this kingdom? 
but let's wait for the rock. Let's, let's ask ourselves, maybe even just pausing, like, am I waiting for the rock? I've acknowledged that I need God. I'm, I've acknowledged that there's this pit. Am I, am I waiting for the rock or am I trying to climb out myself? Am I waiting for the rock or maybe am I trying to like entertain myself in the pit? Am I waiting for the rock or maybe am I pretending that it's not even a pit and that I'm fine here and I'm putting up curtains in a house that's burning down? Cry out to God, he hears you. Wait for the rock. When you need to be rescued, false idols will look really, really, really good. When you're waiting for rescue in your life, false idols are going to look so good. So we have to pause and say, is this thing leaving me more in awe of God? Is it helping me trust him more? Here's the last thing. I'm going to read, I'm going to read those verses again one more time. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who doesn't look to the proud, to turn to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord, my God, are the wonders you've done, the things you've planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there would be too many to declare. So here's my last thing for us to remember, and that is that I think this is a really good time of year for us to remember the rescue. When you're waiting on God, keep crying out to him because he hears you. When you're waiting on God, wait for the rock. Don't try to pull yourself out of the pit. But also, when you're waiting on God, remember the rescue. And this is where I want to go back to the now and not yet of this psalm. This is where I want to go back and maybe ground us in a theological, eternal, big, beautiful truth that's very easy for us to forget at Christmas time. All of this, all of this, the lights and the trees and the red and the green and the presents and all of it was because you and I need a savior because in our sin we cannot be in communication we cannot be in connection we cannot be in relationship with a good father we need Jesus and we can get lost I think in the baby and the bells and the bows and we can get just wrapped up in it and the magic and the Santa which is fine all of it's great but you know what I'm saying sometimes we forget that all of this was because you and I are sinners in need of a savior remember the rescue we just got out of the future is bright sermon series and we were in mark 2 for week upon week upon week and we're talking about this beautiful time when these friends peel back the roof and lower their friend down and they want jesus to heal their friend and he's like okay your sins are forgiven and they're like but what about his legs and he's like sure i can do that too and i think we might be at, at risk of being at that place with christmas that we're like even right now when when we're accessing all the things that we're waiting for God to do in our lives, waiting for him to heal our finances, our relationship, our family, our future. And he's like, but did you remember that I saved your souls, that I purchased freedom for you on the cross of Christ, that I handed you liberty and love and peace and all of kingdom power for the taking 
by grace through faith, my gift to you. Yes, wait on me. I'm going to take care of your legs. The hard part's already done. As you wait on the Lord, in the name of Jesus, friends, bright city, do not lose hope. Remember the rescue. Remember the fact that you and I, who wouldn't have chosen him, were picked, called, and not just brought into the family of God, not just, not just brought in through the back door to get some work done or to sweep or to earn our place here, but we were called sons and daughters of God, friends of Jesus Christ, that the spirit that hovered over the water at creation lives inside us and was given to us, and we were not also just given all these gifts of the kingdom. We are called ambassador, that he said, I actually want you to represent me, and I want you to go out into the world and bring a message of truth and peace and healing healing and love. I don't want you to tell other people about the rescue. And guess what? It's also going to be hard because you're going to be on earth and you're going to live under the effects of a fallen world. But I'm going to give you lots of little mini rescues as you wait for me. And then at the end of it all, there's going to be ultimate redemption. No pain, no tears, no crying. My favorite Beth Moore quote is she says, we're not going to have to process earth when we get to heaven because it's all going to be made new. Remember the rescue. We live in a now and not yet. And I hope, Bright City, I hope and I know, and I thank God actually, I don't even have to hope, I thank God that this is the kind of place where we can decorate the trees and next week we can have a Christmas tree lighting and we can celebrate and we can also be people who say like, and also it's, it's hard out here. And, and if you're not in one of those seasons, if you're not in a waiting season, if you're not in a place where like the tension's bubbling up and you're noticing where you need God, this message is for later. Because that might come. And I'm glad that we can be honest with each other and we can say like, we're people of celebration and we're people of victory and we're people of hope and we're people who also acknowledge that it's hard out here and that we're waiting. And then we need God to show up in a couple of different areas in our life. And we actually need God to show up in some areas of our life that we don't even know yet, but we're going to find out on Tuesday. But we can keep crying out to him. And we can do it in earnest. We don't have to go through the motions of it. And we can acknowledge, like, just being in this room isn't crying out to God. It's a start, and it's a good start. But there's more for us to really talk to our Father and tell him what we need. I love that we can be people that say, you know what, I want to I wait on the rock. I want to wait on real rescue. I don't want to try to claw my way out. I don't want to just distract myself from pain. I don't want to make a plan so that I don't remember that I need a savior. I want to wait for the rock. And I love that we can be people who can say like, hey, we remember the rescue. And, and the only reason that any of us are gathered here is because the grace and the glory of the gospel of Jesus that we needed God. And that for the joy set before him, Jesus, this baby that we celebrate, this Savior King, for the joy set before him moved passionately 
with perseverance toward the cross to die for our sin, that he rose from the dead with our freedom and our healing and our abundance and our eternity in hand. And we remember that and it gives us hope for the rescue we need today. But more than that, it also gives us wild hope to remember that we're in the now and not yet and that none of this is supposed to be perfect and none of it's supposed to be great because this isn't our home and it's heaven where we're gonna experience wholeness. I don't know what you need today. I don't know if you need to cry out to God. I don't know if you need to maybe repent because you haven't been waiting on the rock. I don't know if maybe some people in this room are like, actually, there's no rescue for me to remember because I have gone through the motions with Jesus and I've never had that moment. I've never like done the thing where I've looked at him and said, I want in. I want to be a part of the kingdom. We can do all of that today. Let's pray. Thanks for listening into Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.